This is Spoiler Country Presents, a commentary track. Where creators give you behind the scene information on the comics you love. United Armies of the Spoilerverse, welcome back to Spoiler Country. I'm Kenneth Regan, that is Mr. Horsley. And today on the show, well, it's David Boer and Drew Zucker of Canto. Yeah, they came back to sit and chat and do a commentary track with us. Dude, that was so fun, man. We sat down. We went page by page. Uh, if you guys have Canto and if you don't, go get it because it really is a good book. Uh, it's yeah, it, it's just written in such a very well way. And Drew's art is just awesome. I mean, the art is top notch, man. Yeah, the art is top notch. The coloring is top notch. The lettering. Iser nominated letterer lettering. I mean, uh, yeah. not lettering letterer. <laughs> <laughs> it, it all works. It's, whatever. I don't know, man. The, the whole book is, is it's, great. It, it's, it's really, yeah. it's an, it's a fantasy that is, you, you know, you can say it's all ages, uh, but right. Nothing is taken away because, because of that, you know how some people just feel like if it's not, if right. it's not meant for my age group, then I don't want to read it. Well, then you're really missing out. Yeah, a lot of stuff. It's not just cause, just because they says all age does not mean it's going to be kitty. It just means that it doesn't have a bunch of adult theme stuff in it, adult stuff in it, but it's still good, solid stories. And yeah, if you haven't read Canto, you miss out. I believe the first issue is still uh, you can still download it for free off IDW's website uh, as a preview. Oh, nice. So nice. So go get that, or go pay for, it, or go to Comicsology and buy it, or go to your LCS and pick it up. But that's what I get did. I went sit to down Comicsology and, and bought it. Nice, nice. Yeah, it's it's just yes. really it's just really good. I don't know how else to put it. It's just a really good book, and there's yeah. a lot of heart in it, and it's just something that you can sit down and read with your kids or read f- for yourself. And really, if you love, I to me, it's like this: if you like things like Harry Potter, or you like things like Wizard of Oz, or um, what's the what's the sh- what's the books that they just Lemony Snicket. Oh, Lemony Snicket. A series of unfortunate events. Yeah. If you like, I mean, they're not, those are all different in their own way, but they're all like these fantasy with fantastical yeah. things that happen. And yeah, Canto to me falls in that realm. And I, I just, I really, really did love it. Drew and, and David were amazing to talk to and go through and pick their brain. And we're going to do it again when volume two comes out. Uh, nice. David, he already reached out to me and said, Hey, we want to do it again. Nice. So we're going to do it and it's going to be amazing. If you have the book, get it out now and follow along because you're going to get an inside look on something uh, that doesn't come along all the time. guys thanks for coming back and today is super special if you've listened to some of our series in the past of our quote-unquote dvd commentaries um you're in for a special treat because today we have drew and david that have formed together team kanto and you haven't read this book yet um it's actually quite amazing it's it's an all-ages book uh, but don't let that sway you because it has a lot of deep meaning in it and it's a great story. The art is fantastic. And if you are a lover of fantasy like myself, then you're really going to like this book. And we're going to go through page by page the first issue of Canto. David, Drew, thanks for coming on, man. Thanks for having us. So, yeah, yeah you. Thanks for billing me first. I never get to go first. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know. We did this, we talked about this, your guys' new book that just came out in the Canto realm, um, what, two months ago, you guys came on, I think it was like two months ago, and you sold me on the book so well, I was like, I got to read this book, and then we wanted, like, we got to have you guys come back and talk about how you come up with each one, and so I have, and if, if if the boys and girls at home, or if you don't identify as that, however you want to identify yourself as, at home, want to follow along and learn about Canto, this is the show for you. And we're going to start off with the very first book. And it is titled 
as it loads up. Why is this taking so long? Canto. And it is, what is the volume one called? If I only had a heart. If I only had a heart. There we go. Written by. Obviously, a. um, We wear our Wizard of Oz inspiration on our sleeves, that's for sure. It's awesome. Written by David Boward, art by Drew Zucker, colors by Vittorio Astone, and letters by uh, Darren Bennett. Guys. Eisner nominated. Eisner nominated. Eisner nominated (laughs) Darren Bennett. There you go. IDW treated you guys right, has got this thing on on fire right now and um yeah let's let's get into this so if you guys are following along on oh my gosh this thing i'm using comiXology and so if you're following along comiXology we're going to start off right on page five which is you see the big image of canto with the axe and it has a one on top for volume one or chapter one um it's chapter one. This is uh, the the chapter breaks are basically where the issue breaks when they were single issues. Yeah, so we'll say chapter one. Perfect. And then we get into the very first page, which starts off with the the we've lost Narration. all our story, stories in all but yeah, one. So and I love the parallel that you have going on. And I'm hoping we can get into right here with the beginning page. Sure, I'll start. Um, so, so the first uh, three pages, we made the choice to start off with this um, fairy tale, the story that Kanto and his people tell each other. It's the only one they have left. They've all been enslaved. And as you learn, as you read the issue, they've lost basically everything. And the only thing they have left are um, is, this, is this one story. And it's a parable about uh, a knight who goes on a quest to the tallest tower and the tallest castle and the tallest mountain to um, to rescue the stolen princess. So it's a very common sort of fairy tale trope. But what you learn and what you wanted to set up in these first few pages was that your expectation about it being a, a very typical fairy tale, it almost immediately gets turned on its head. Yeah. So when you were writing these out, this, these first three panels, which are up to down, what was your, what you, were you thinking you're trying to set a mood or were you more saying, okay, we're going to, we're going to go right out into the story that the, you never really actually name them as a species. I just think of them as clockwork knights in my head, but uh, Canto's people have this, story like you were just saying and you start right off with that correct yeah and it becomes it's sort of the framing device throughout this entire volume and we very uh deliberately started with that framing device because this is not a you know as much as it has the trappings of a typical fairy tale it's not it's not that and i don't think canto and his people really see themselves that way and so this is kind of their aspirational story yeah. To be the heroes and the knights and the princesses and all these things that they've heard about in the story, but have not come to pass. So, yeah, so that sort of that's what the narration is. And that's really where we wanted to start. There's a lot of world building that goes on. Yeah. But we wanted to start right there on the first page with this is a fairy tale, but this is not going to be the, you know, you're going to think it's one kind of fairy tale and it really is something different. <laughs> right. And, Drew, when you were right, when you were penciling this, you you've you've created a very stark, empty landscape. And are you trying? Is there a specific message you're trying to convey here? So, David, I don't know if you know the answer to this. I feel like this may have been one of the pages I adjusted panel numbers on. Uh, I feel like this wasn't three panels originally in the script. You remember that at all? <laughs> I don't. I, I do remember um, our discussions about uh, how we wanted to make it feel dry and hot and and just um, sort of harsh. It was a harsh environment. Yeah. Dusty. It, it, Dusty. It was meant to be that you, you see kind of the deforestation of what they've done. And that's what the camera is pulling you through. Yeah. So it's immediately establishing you know a few things about the world it's establishing its harshness 
that there is life here, but it's very kind of scavenger life based on the little rat guy. And then as you get further down the page to the main panel, you start to see more of the actual environment that they are, that the tins are in, which then leads you into the second page. Yeah. Now on the second page, you have a full graphic, full page layout and you have the slaver in the background and then you see, which is not Kanto, it's Kanto's um, girlfriend. And we're not giving anything away, but she is in the forefront and they're working very hard. That page was a redraw right before issue one came out. So, Oh, was it really? Yeah, we, we had. So when we started these pages, the, the first six pages were part of our initial pitch. And by the time we were releasing this, we were somewhere into issue three or four, I think. Yeah. And we made the decision, you know, some stuff should probably get updated. And that was one of them that I went back in and just redid the whole thing. And for the better. (laughs) Yeah. Fun little backstory of that whole um, pitch process for anybody who's listening, who uh, is going out there pitching comics to publishers. We had the first six pages of this issue was our, um, we had the full art uh, colors and letters already done for for the first six pages. Um, if you go through on the sixth page, it says, my name is Kanto. And it sort of was a great way to sort of end the pitch and, and what the visuals would look like. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it really, this was our six pages right out of the gate to set up this world. So, you know, these awesome. first three pages, you've got the arid environment. You've got this fairy tale that they've told themselves to give them sort of hope against the visuals of really sort of a hopeless existence. Um, and then right after that, right after that page um, three, when you, when we see the end of that story, he saw only a boy who had succeeded in his quest. And then you see the slaver say, little slave, get back to work. Yeah. And then you turn the next page, and this is where we set up just enough information about Kanto, his people, and his world to get us moving in the story. Because one of the things we really, really wanted to avoid was this info dump of world building um, right at the outset. Because I think you lose readers so quickly if you're just if they're inundated with information about this new world that they, they don't know anything about. Right. Even if you just load a page up with too much text, it becomes then a chore yeah. for people to, to read. You know, they, they want a, a balance between the reading and the visuals, so those two things have to work in tandem with each other. Well, we're on page nine, and like, <clears throat> and like uh, David was just saying, the, the whole everything starts coming together here where you'll see um, them marching out of their pits. You'll see the slaver behind. You'll see them actually one of them dying and, or actually one taking the heart out and putting a clock in to replace his heart and getting back to work. So it's, it sets everything up right there. You have a, a very good understanding of everything that's going on. And, and it's and it's it's sort of minimal information, and that's what we wanted to do. Um, you see on this page nine, uh, they, they're describing our hearts are taken before we know what they're for, and they're replaced with clocks. We spend our time feeding the fires that burn under Arcana for reasons we've never been told till our clocks stop. Um, and then on page ten, it's that um, nine page or nine panel page, which. Um, I like to use very sparingly. I don't know, Drew, how do you feel about nine panels? Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> it looks good, though. I have, to actively, I have to actively talk him out of it because it's a, <laughs> for me, it's a trope that I think some other writers really like to use and it's kind of become their thing. Gets so too I try much. To stay away from, you know, using their toys too much. Well, the nice thing with these nine panels is that you you know that Kanto is a feeling person and he's got a girl that he obviously cares very deeply about, but there's that, 
I mean, I mean, I know throughout the story, there's a lot of talk of Kanto being able to feel and having a name when no one else has a name, but you could tell that they all have deep feelings, you know, but they repress so much against it because of the environment and what's going on around them. And she obviously has deep feelings because she gave him his name, which is awesome. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and that's sort of, it's, it's a lot about fear. Yeah. It's about fear of, of, of doing the things that they've been told they can't do. And I think that's what we really embraced with Kanto as a character is that he's embraced, he's embraced these things that are forbidden and he's become this sort of beacon of hope. He, be, he becomes it as, as we go along in the story. Um, and you're going to see it even more as we, we continue the story beyond this volume one. Yeah. Um, yeah. But that page, what is that page 10? Yep. The nine panels. Um, Yep. Yeah, we set out right away uh, the sort of rules of Cantus people, mm-hmm. forbidden to have names, forbidden to care for one another, forbidden to feel love. And it's this contrast between the voiceover that's happening, telling telling the reader they can't do these things. And then you see the middle three panels, which is literally Canto defying those rules that we're setting out. And if we would have set up this page, if we would have, if, if, um, Drew would have drawn this page so that it was reflecting what what was being said in the narration. Yeah, I don't think it would have worked as well as saying as the nine as panels having the, the, <laughs> the contrast. You know. Yeah, yeah. Well, I like how he holds her hand, and then you you can feel that she's the one that lets go. You know, and then keeps yeah. walking forward. And he goes, "But I care for others. I feel love, and I have a name." And it's great because then you get to page eleven. And you got this great splash page. My name is Canto. And then really, boom, the story begins. It's that's how I read it. <laughs> that's yeah. it. I, that's exactly what it was. What we intended yep. is like super quick, few pages of this is this is who this character is. This is what its circumstances are. Let's get into the story. Right. And <clears throat> to fill the world with enough detail that you feel like you within those that those few pages you completely understand the the boundaries and the rules of this world and what you're about to get into yeah now on page 12 it gets right into the heartbreak of what their situation is like and it goes into one of the the slavers or one of the slaves i mean is something's wrong and they're dying and their elder has is doing what they can to fix them and of course he can't so this kind of this is where I started to feel like, okay, these guys have strong emotions. They just repress them very harshly because of the situation they're in, even though that their heart has been taken away from them. Which I feel like the Ten Man in The Wizard of Oz was very much like that. Yeah, he yeah. cared. He cared for others. He cared for his friends, even though he realized, even though he didn't have a heart, and he didn't think he thought he needed a heart to feel those things, and he never. I mean, that's the realization at the end of Wizard of Oz, right? Yeah. They never really needed the things that they were seeking. They had them all along. Um, this um, was also, this page is a lot of fun because there's a lot of detail there in terms of establishing what their society actually looks like in terms of how they live, how how they're dormed within these like skinny mountains that they have, but also, you know, what they're their mentality is as a whole when it comes to dealing with things because they are so repressed and they are, they, you know, they're all forced into this, you know, uh, conformity type of situation because they're all told you can't have names. So they're all the same. And you see them in mass kind of behave the same when upsetting things happen where they all gather around this tin that's dying and they're all kind of, you know, as a group praying and not able to function on their own. Yeah. So I got to ask because we don't go into things. And if it's a spoiler, then don't, you know, don't tell me, but are they made or are, were they created? You know what I mean? I mean, are they from nature or were they created? (laughs) Yeah. That's the question for (laughs) the future. (laughs) There you go. I guess spoiler. It's a spoiler. Okay. Um, Let's not, let's not give it away. Especially if it's a, if it's a, if that's because I know that that's what when you start reading this, that's the first thing you start thinking about to me. 
I think that's funny because I think we're also so um, so conditioned to like ask all these questions about where they came from, who they are, how yeah. they biologically exist, and you know what they look like under the helmets and all these things. That's the other I mean, thing. What do they look like you, under the helmet? <laughs> when we were doing this story, there was never one time that I ever wanted Cantor or any of his people to take off their helmet. Yeah, I'll just be yeah. honest about that. I just they are who they are and and you know thinking about all those things is a good exercise but at the end of the day it's it's again about sort of world building and mm -hmm. telling the story that needs to be told in the in the way that in the way that it needs to be told without divulging everything without figuring out everything there's a reason why the tens don't have a, a name for their own species there's a reason why they don't know what the world is named right they they're not they don't know what the significance of names you'll start seeing there there's more significance to it as the story goes on um but they understand that kanto is significant because he has his name but the concept of naming things is a new thing for them it's foreign to them so Totally foreign. So the answer to your question is it's a spoiler. <laughs> yeah, nice. No, I like it. That means I'm thinking about it. <laughs> so, <clears throat> Drew, when 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 the colors are coming in, the color the uh, Vittorio did an amazing job on these colors. It just everything just blends so nice. And do you have a lot of uh, sway on how these colors go? Like the purples that he did in the very first panel uh, just makes it look. I mean, you feel like you're there. Um, we kind of turned Vittorio loose, and we, you know, much much to probably his headache. We we don't give him nearly as much uh, direction as we probably should. Yeah, uh, we've gotten we've gotten better about giving him guidance on things, but for the most part, we just kind of tell him, you know, we he reads the script, he looks through the art, and we let him do his first pass and if something doesn't work, we'll make a note about it. And he's awesome about, you know, being like, Oh, okay. Yeah. That doesn't work and he'll change it. But for the most part, I, I would say nine times out of 10, he, he gets about 90 to 95% of the way there on his first pass. Yeah. Um, it, his understanding of color theory and, color as a storytelling tool is pretty spot on. That's awesome. Yeah, the purple um, for the next, uh, what is it? Four pages mm -hmm. um, was his, was his choice. We never told him to do purple. We might've said it was nighttime or twilight yeah. or something, but his choice to do purple was, um, I was great. I was just so thrilled to see these pages. Cause I'm a big pinks purples sort of that that kind of palette for a lot of different <laughs> comics i love um and so when he came back with these pages we were just just thrilled about it yeah now when you're this is like the first time that you see and hear elder speak and uh they 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 do call him elder is when you when you when you when he's going through is that just because he, obviously he's much older than the rest of them so it's like what does he got to He's got a Timex in his and chest. A yeah, and a mustache, <laughs> and it's gray, and it's uh, so he's been around a lot longer. I'm hoping that we get to learn more as new stories come out. We get to learn more about who Elder is. I this is this is a little tiny bit of a spoiler, but not too much. Oh, and uh, I can tell you that he is definitely coming back, and nice. he has a a role to play. Yeah, he's just like he's like the old wise leader of this group of. You guys call them tens. I love that. Yeah. That's been a working. Um, I like clockwork night. Yeah. Uh, but tens is our shorthand of, of, of who these, uh, these uh, little creatures are. Yeah. I would have been, yeah. I would have shortened it to CKs. <laughs> CKs. I love that. <laughs> um, yeah. And so, so these pages you see, they go um, the, uh, well, you get one the, of their one of their what's that? Go ahead. No, go ahead. I was gonna say one of their people. Uh, their the clock has been damaged. Yep. And it was beyond the elders' uh, help, so he has passed. And they and I love this line. Um, 
bury him in the forests or they will throw him in the furnaces. Yeah. And I, that gave me chills when I read that because th- this is like, this is where kids can read it and understand that something crazy is happening. But then an adult will read that and take it to a whole different level because my mind, I still, I thought of Auschwitz of people going to the furnace in that respect and going, Oh, wow. You know, these guys understand what's actually happening. And so they're trying to get away. You know what I mean? Trying to push it out to a different area and pay the respects that these, that, that their dead should be given. I thought it was great. I, think I never thought about that. David, you're messed up, man. <laughs> I, never, I never, I never thought about that. I promise. Um, for me, it's about, it was about respect. It was yeah. about um, paying respects to somebody who has passed by burying them rather than, um, the slavers callously throwing throwing them in the furnaces, which is where they take this, you know, whatever they're harvesting out in the forests and these petrified forests. Yeah, whatever they're, they're mining. Sort of the detritus that they're harvesting. They're when their clock stop. They're part of that, and they go into the furnaces. But that's not what you know. Cantos people want right. So they want to be respected of them doing that. And then, um, and then, uh, two pages later, I'm not sure what page exactly on the comicsology. on 13 is, is the act of, you have a one, two, three, four, five, six, six panels. And it's, um, them actually digging the pit or digging the grave. And then it ends with, we should not long linger. And then Canto saying, I'll only be a moment. And then the next page, we meet Cantos. Canto has the first interaction with his beloved. Yeah. Just a sweet moment between them. And then um, the the first appearance of the Malarex comes in, which is this big um, bear. Uh, well, what do we say, Drew? It's a mix, it's a mix between a, a gorilla and a bear. Yeah, he's really cool. <laughs> Ends up being really so, cool. <laughs> what we wanted to do, storytelling wise, right in this moment, was to have this cute interaction where they're really scared, and it turns out this Malarex, when you turn the page and keep reading, he actually licks Canto and runs away. So Canto says, This is um, Elder has spoken of this Malarex. He's old, he's been around for a very long time. He learned that our people are not food. Uh, which means, which is a little foreshadowing, right? Yep. And so if Wizard of Oz is our inspiration, this was our moment to introduce what will become our totem, Kanto's totem. Yeah. And, but playing with the size difference, of course. Uh, you reversed them. <laughs> which, yeah. I, you know, very, very well, deliberately. Yeah. Very deliberately. So that's, so, so that's. We uh, meet the Malarex here, which will have a very important um, role throughout Kanto's adventure. The, there are two things. One, I would very much like to see the Malarexes that attempt to eat a tin because I think it would be hilarious to watch these <laughs> dummies try and chew on something metal <laughs> and the poor tin sitting there being like, what, what are you doing? Just suck yeah, it on their head. What about, <laughs> what about the sweet, sweet juicy center? <laughs> uh the other thing is that this whole relationship is very much one giant ode to calvin and Hobbes. oh i love that um it it is very much you know a a giant love letter uh to those two It, it obviously does its own thing but i spend a lot of time with my nose in calvin and Hobbes books uh pulling uh inspiration out for like little little beats yeah them. i love that i love that a lot i was a huge calvin and Hobbes fan growing up so i had all the books <laughs> they, they are the best <laughs> they are <laughs> they really are <laughs> so we're on so, page 15 so if people following along and this is great because canto said elder said he's you know like you're saying, you figured out we're not food. You know, he decided he doesn't want to have us as food. And she's like, are you sure? And he goes, I'm sure that's when the lick happens. And then he bounces off. It's just, this is, this is the personality of this Malorex. He's kind of a, a little mischievous. It's very sweet. Um, 
but yeah, of course he's going to lick Cantor and then run off like like it was no big deal. Um, <laughs> and we don't actually see him in the in the rest of issue one, but we definitely see him almost immediately in issue two. Yeah, uh, in a sweet sweet moment when he comes back into Cantor's life and sort of forms that bond almost immediately that they uh, they have throughout the rest of Cantor's journey. I love it. Um, so then we go back. The next page is the next day. The next day. And they're back. And you have a full page, or not a full page. You have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven panel page, and no actual uh, dialogue. dialogue on this one. So this was, when you guys have a page like this, um, I usually feel like these are super important because you're saying a lot without saying anything. And the it comes down to Drew who has to storyboard it to convey the message that David, you have written into the script. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, and how, how does, this is your page. Yeah. Do it. <laughs> I, I take the script and I just throw it out and draw what I want. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure David loves hearing that. <laughs> <laughs> and then when he, uh, I get the art back, I sent him new 12, Pages of notes. <laughs> Twelve. Yeah. I thought it made an email with just two words on it. <laughs> do over. Yeah, do over. Get out. No, these are. I think. I think. Yeah. Um, dialogue. Uh, uh, Dialogue-free pages are underutilized. I think writers often use dialogue and narration and words as a crutch. Yeah. And you know this kind of contrasts with the very opening which is we had that you know a lot of narration about that story of the night and the world and everything and not every day are the canto and his people out there thinking about these you know grand stories it's day after day after day of monotony so it's a grind it's just another day of them yeah. right back out there just doing the same thing so the other thing is that if you if you go and read this issue you you could drop the dialogue out and for the most part, <clears throat> understand the story. You're not going to get the subtlety of it uh, in <clears throat> in terms of you know all the stuff that we're we're foreshadowing or laying out. But the the sign of a good comic is that it should be readable with or understandable at least without the dialogue. So when stuff like this comes up, it's you know it's not any different from having pages where David's got a lot of uh, talking going on. It's what information do I need to convey? And for me personally, when even if I'm doing pages that are just people talking, it, it's, my, it's my job to make that seemingly boring act of just information being conveyed between characters be interesting. And this kind of stuff is no different. Yeah. Well, in other words, I'm I'm expendable, which I, I I'm, it's fine. It's fine. Who, who, who did the uh, that lecture that said uh, that said uh, the writer is a parasite? Oh yeah. <laughs> somebody did a uh, somebody did a lecture and called the, the writer a parasite. <laughs> no, it was the writer. It was um. Oh, I don't even want to name names. It was a major major comics writer yeah. who put up a slide that said. The writer is a parasite. That's awesome. <laughs> oh my god. Um, yeah. So we're back. We're back in. We're back um, in. We get to page seventeen, um, and now we get to where. Well, actually, page sixteen ends with Canto getting whipped. Yep. Yeah. So he's um, been finding these little gold rocks, basically, and they're kind of in the shape of hearts, and he's been giving it to his little, his beloved, and he finds another one. And this, and in the, the last panel of this page, he's been caught and he gets whipped in the hand and he drops that yep. heart, which kind of spurs the rest of the story. Um, if, if you're, and if we got any screenwriters listening, it's the uh, inciting incident uh, in screenwriter parlance. That, that's, okay. that's a good term for any writer out there. There you go. Yeah. So, the slavers have discovered not only the one that he's holding, the little heart-shaped stone, but all of the stones. They've somehow been able to dig these up or find them in a, in a sack. So they know that somebody has been giving them to 
has been collecting them. Right. And so they've caught Kanto basically red-handed and tells him in this great, one of the best panels, one of my favorite panels in issue one on this next page, that's the slavers looming over Kanto and they say, explain yourself, slave. And we see that there's all the uh, gold-shaped heartstones and one of the ten says, we tried to hide them, Kanto. Yep. And, and he's... this must have been the first time that the slavers heard his name because they pick him up by the neck and say, Kanto, slave, have you given yourself a name? And then this is the moment which I love um, for his beloved who comes forward and admits that she gave it to him. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot, of, uh, there's a lot going on there. There's a lot of emotion going on there. And, and and courage. Yeah, she's got so much courage to step forward and admit something that she knows is going to get her in in trouble. And then you find it. You see on the next page, um, the slaver says, "You know the punishment, slaves." And out and comes he the whip. Cracks the whip, and I don't know if you took this away from the page, but the intention is that you're supposed to think for a second that the slaver has whipped Canto. Yeah, that's what that's what I thought at first. Because you see the wide eye, the last the last panel is is his wide eyes, and you're thinking, oh, he just got whipped, you know. Um, Drew Drew can agree. Uh, I hope that that was absolutely our intention for this entire page was yeah. to make it seem like Cantor got whipped um, for that. The the slavers, Drew. What was the inspiration for the slavers? Because they have a very uh, um, they have a cool look. Yeah, they're. They're basically like upright minotaurs. Yeah. Um, I don't remember exactly where the inspiration for them came from, to be honest with you. Well, because sometimes uh, I look and they have that bull kind of feel, like the minotaur feel. But then sometimes I look yeah. and they kind of have like a horse feel to them. You know, there, right. there's a it, mixture going on there. I, I wanted them to have these kind of doughy bodies. But you you very much get the sense that you know they may be doughy, but they're probably capable of doing a lot of damage if they want to. Yeah, super powerful. Uh, and then and then it became, well, how do you what what feels like a what feels like you know a master to to these tiny little creatures, and what would be intimidating and scare them? And originally, when we were starting out. Um, I was pulling a lot of a lot of inspiration from animals. Uh, I I still do for a lot of my design, uh, just out in the world stuff. But for them in particular, bulls was a big part of it, and then it went to uh, looking at different kinds of minotaurs that had been done over time, and then you know from there working it into that that edict with this doughy but strong body. Yeah. Yeah, and and I like and not to give too many spoilers away as we go ahead, but I like how the slavers aren't exactly what you think, you know. And it's we it, did that, we did that definitely on purpose. Yeah, it's it's a cool, and we won't. I don't think we get to that point during this commentary, but it's just because I just got done. I I highly suggest everybody out there to get volume one and just read through the whole thing because once you start reading it, you're not going to stop. You know, you're going to be like, oh, I really wish I would have just got the whole volume. <laughs> so, you know. Yeah. So, so we, we definitely, when I, when I was plotting this out, one of the things that I always did was think about what the reader would expect yeah. for the next step in his journey and the next step in the story and then do a 180. So basically flip it on its head, whatever, whatever I think the reader expects. If you do the exact opposite, the reader's not going to expect that. And that was one of the things that uh, we encountered with the slavers and figuring out what their backstory was. It was much more unexpected for them to have a backstory that we ended up giving them yeah. rather than just having them be this two-dimensional evil beings that have enslaved yeah. Kanto's people. Now, if we go to page 19... We get the the Clockwork Knights and Canto holding his beloved, and she with her eyes closed, um, and and the slavers of course walking away, and if she can no longer work, the furnace awaits. I mean that's some yeah. So 
That's some evil this stuff right there. Favorite uh, pages. One of my we like to really incorporate a lot of full page spreads. Yeah, because I think mm-hmm. it really helps Drew showcase his art and also there's there's you know it's they're, they're good I, storytelling moments yeah and it's emphasis and you don't want to clutter up a page with a bunch of panels if what you really want is what you really need on a page is just the one beat you're conveying and emotion is, you're conveying a feeling right now right and so like you wanted to interrupt that 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 feeling with a lot of little panels yeah like that's 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 the big thing is I, that I don't mind drawing 18 panels of, you know, to indicate motion. So a fight is a good place for that kind of stuff. Do you hear that, but David? He said like, nine panel pages are, are a go. <laughs> I, I'm in. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> no, it, it, well, don't, don't worry. He's already done it. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, Drew. Something like this, it, there, there is a very intentional purpose from both of us to, to stop the reader and to make them to linger on this a little bit. Yeah. Well, the, 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 the slavers walking away and they're, and you know, they're, they're kind of cast in shadow as they go is, it looks fantastic. I loved what Drew did with this page, putting them in shadow, walking away in the back mm-hmm. makes conveys such a feeling of, they just don't care. Yep. They just have injured this little tin girl and they just don't care. And then his line, the line of she can no longer work. The furnace is a weight. It's so it's such callousness where in the foreground, you have Kanto who drew somehow on every single panel finds a way to, with just their eyes to make them all show so much emotion. Yeah. You can feel the heart, the no pun intended heartbreak in the foreground and just the lack of caring in the background from the slavers. It's just this moment that just, I, I hope for readers, just really rips your heart out in the most gentle and best way possible. Now, one of the, uh, the next one is actually one of my favorite things because it shows the relationship between Canto and his beloved very well. And she's, lo- go ahead. I love this page. It was the easiest page we've done. Yeah. <laughs> and for people follow along, we're on page 20. And all it is, is Canto and his girl having a conversation of, well, you know, about the night. Yeah. She wants, she wants Canto to tell the story. You can sort of, well, I hope the, the, the reader takes from this, that you can feel she's kind of, her time is running out and she wants this, her final moments to really be about, tell me the story, tell me about the, the story of the night, which is the story about hope. And, and that's the conversation. But the, uh, I talk about this page and the next page a lot uh, because we, because we specifically chose to do this yeah, uh, to slow down the pace of reading. Uh, when you read comics, inevitably you go f- fast you can read a 20 page comic in 10 minutes right so you're not really your eyes not landing on the art you're not lingering on it you're reading the words you're sort of skimming through and you just keep keep going with the story separating the words on one page and then the visuals on the next page i think helps the reader take a beat for the words take a beat for the visuals and really slows you down to take in what's those, those two different things and what's happening. Yeah. Cause when you move to t- 21, you get the visual from <clears throat> the dialogue that you just read and it, it does make it even that much more oomph behind it. The, the other thing I'll say about this page is uh, the different colors on the dialogue and the glow. That is all daring. That, that page is, illustrates the importance of your letterers being really good yeah. at what they do. Can we just say something? That's a great point, Drew. Can you say one thing is letterers do not get the, they don't get the fanfare they should. You know what I mean? Cause you can have an amazing story and amazing art. And if your letterer is not a good letterer, it will ruin that book faster than anything. You know, so I, Darren, Darren lettered one of my favorite books of all time, which was tale of sand. 
Um, so when I found when I found out that he was going to come on to do this, I was beyond excited. But that page is a letterist that is not only gifted at what he does, he knows how to use it to tell stories. And it just elevates what me and David are doing beyond anything that we could do. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So those two pages I end up talking about a lot because I think separating the dialogue and the visuals is really helpful uh, in the right circumstance to, to sort of guide the reader through how you want the story to be experienced, not just flying through it. Yeah. Um, so then we get to Canto talking to the elder and elder says at the bottom, I'm not sure which page we're on page 22, 22 elder by the end of the page says, I've done what I could. And then you turn the page and you, you realize there's not much else they can do for, uh, Canto's beloved to repair her clock that's been damaged and 23 and 24. Oh, well, let me say at the end of 20, at the bottom of 23 in the last panel, Elder says, <clears throat> well, second to last panel, Canto says, it's not, it's just not fair. None of this is fair. Elder says, many of our people have fe- felt the same unfairness as you do, yet you must be careful, for all of them have found their fate in the furnaces. And it's a moment where Elder, with all this world experience, is telling Canto, I understand how you feel, but it's never, nothing has ever come of that for as long as he's been around. Yeah. (sighs) And then the next page is one of my favorite moments that we ended up putting in, which is uh, page 24. Yep. Canto pops open his chest plate to expose his clock and says, then remove my clock and give it to her. Let the furnaces be my fate, not hers. And I think that's the moment, based on feedback that we've gotten, I really think that's the moment, if you're reading this issue and you're really connecting, starting to connect with a story, where you're, you know, Canto is your ride or die after that moment. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, it's like, I, I watched, I, I rewatched The Mandalorian very recently, and every time... Uh, the child comes on the screen i just look at that and i think if anything happens to the child i'm gonna flip this table because (laughs) i feel so strongly protective of that of that character and that and i think this is the moment that we really get to that point hopefully with kanto where you want to be you want to fight poor kanto to make sure that he's okay yeah yeah now on the next panel or on the next page, I'm sorry, we see Kanto um, running out to the forest. Yeah, and there's one more thing at the end of the bottom of this page. Um, Elder says, "You know, I cannot do that, Kanto. Our clocks can never be switched. switched. Yep. The slavers have made quite sure our time is our own. And that line, our time is our own. I'm not going to give away anything, but that becomes an extremely important. Oh, huge idea. foreshadowing. I like it. As as we go along with Canto 2 that's coming out this year. <laughs> I know. I'm excited to read all of these now. <laughs> like when I sat down to read this, I honestly, I never know. You know what I mean? Because I've, I've sat and I've loved comics since I was a little kid. And sometimes you sit down to read them and they just take so, like, you. sometimes the dialogue is too heavy, you know? Yeah. <clears throat> Where it's just, it doesn't end. You're just like, oh my Lord, it took me 10 minutes to get through one page because... All I'm seeing is dialogue with faces next to it. And then other times, um, it, there's not enough dialogue where you're just like, oh, okay, that the story is, is there's no meat to the bones of the story. And then you get ones like this where you start reading it and you just, I literally could not stop reading it until I was done, you know? And I got both volumes already on from Comixology. That, everything that was available on Comixology, I bought. It's like, boom, 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 kind of buying it. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> and speaking of um, no dialogue, the very next page is another page without dialogue. Yeah. And we see Cantum uh, running out to the forest. Or is it the forest? I mean, it's, they're all, the, none of the trees. There's trees, but there's no, there's no branches. <laughs> it's the field that they, uh, 
that they harvest out of. Yeah. And he is promptly attacked by some Malareks. Yeah, he hides he hides from them. And this is these are the younger Malareks that they know are dangerous and are going to um potentially hurt him if he gets caught. So again, that's that's foreshadowing. That's like planting the seed for um issue two and beyond. Uh, for when these Malareks end up reappearing and Kent is going to have to face them. Yeah. And then the, on his own. the next page is great. So he, he hides from the Malareks and then he, ri- he, he keeps running and comes to the bag that the slavers had thrown down in front of him that had all the golden um, rocks or stones in hearts. That, Yeah, mm-hmm. in the shape of hearts. And I love this. I, I actually really like this, this whole scene here. Um, because it shows a lot of friendship and a lot of um, brotherhood, for lack of a better term, amongst the, the amongst the tens. And he finds the bag, it's empty, and he's crying. And then, of course, some of his friends came up and they said, um, well, the stones, they must have taken them away. Canto asked all of them. And we found this one, which is in the shape of a heart. And it was her favorite one. And he's a, <laughs> I have to say, Kanto's a hugger. He's a big hugger. Yeah. <laughs> he's overjoyed. It's true. He, he is a hugger. I, I, I think that's just my personality. I just, and especially now during these times when you can't really hug too many people. Yeah. Hopefully nobody, everybody's wearing masks and nobody's hugging anybody that you don't live with. Um, but yeah, I think that's just my personality coming out where I just want that physical connection between him and these nameless characters that sort of look alike and, you know, have not no individuality yet. I also like that the, in the last panel, the, the Tim that gives him the heart, he's just like, I don't know what hugging is. <laughs> he's just like straight laced, <laughs> totally like, up and down. What are you doing? <laughs> Now the second now now we're on page twenty seven for people following along, and we come to this is the wise man giving the journey to the young man. <laughs> it's, yes, this is our most shameless. Uh, let's propel the plot forward. Yeah, <laughs> but it's a great but page because it it, so, it, it, it says a lot. So far into the story, we're hopeful that you're on board for the characters. That you're okay with him getting his quest. Yeah. It's very much a Lord of the Rings moment. Yeah. But Lord of the Rings is definitely one of the things that we think about a lot when, when we're telling the story. So I, I, I have spoilers. And I'm not going to go into them. But because I've read all of Volume 1, I have to know, were you influenced at all by um, Dante's Inferno? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Th- that was that was always one of the original uh inspirations for paradise even, even before david was on board with it yeah um that that was where i drew heavily for the original uh concept well i mean because because some of the people look very much like devils uh the concept of the furnace uh they go to a giant city later i think in episode in issue two four this is, is, is issue four um the city of dis and if you know your if you if you know your Dante's Inferno, then you know Dis is a is a city in 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 one of the realms of one of the circles of hell. So I was like, oh, that's very interesting. Do you know? I mean, I, yeah, it's a, it's fully. We we um, say that this was inspired by Dante's Inferno and Wizard of Oz. Yeah, sort of mixed together. I love it. Um, and obviously, Canto's name comes from uh, in uh, Divine Comedy. Right. Right. So some people, some people who are familiar with it, pick up on that, and other people don't. Yeah, um, you don't need to be familiar with it to really enjoy it at all, you know. Right. But but it's cool because if you do know that stuff and you're reading this, you're like, oh, I like this because it's it it just gives you some some flashes of things, some inspirational flashes. Mm-hmm. There there is a lot of uh, Dante nerd stuff that's scattered about in this world. Um, Dante's one of those things that. Kind of, I, I feel like people, everybody steals from Shakespeare. Uh, yeah. Dante's a good one to borrow from, too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Can't go wrong. So, uh, so, in this page, Elder gives Canto 
his quest to go see a hermit who knows where they came from and why they were their slaves. Yep. And her time runs short, so you must hurry. So we have a literal ticking clock. And then the next page is another of the uh, dialogue only against kind of this uh, darkness and the sparks. Yep. And it's Kanto talking to uh, his beloved once again. And again, I, I felt like this was a page where we didn't necessarily need to see the two of them in the room together. You understand that with this dialogue, he's gone back to see her, to say goodbye, tell her he's going to come back. He's going to, when he does, he's going to, you know, be able to to help her. But I didn't see the need to have them have that dialogue in the same room together or to show that. No, I think the way think, you guys did it again is is great because as you're reading it, you can, it's almost like you can tell her eyes are probably shut and she's having this conversation and it's hard for her to have it. And that's, that's how I took it. Oh yeah. And I feel like he's kneeling next to her bed and he's holding her hand and he's yep. telling her these things hang on for just a little bit longer. Mm-hmm. And then the next page is this gorgeous double page spread where um, Drew and Vittorio just completely melts everybody's faces yeah. with the promise of the adventure, the call to adventure <laughs> that's awaiting Canto. I love it. I love the floating mount. Uh, I love the floating um, landscapes. I, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, you guys really outdid yourself, and you deliver. That, that's the thing. It's only chapter one. <laughs> that is that is the end of issue one. I hope everybody who got a chance to follow along enjoyed that. I seriously think you guys need to get out there just get volume one uh, don't get just volume get all the there's two things on it on amazon's comiXology that's available right now so yeah so there's volume one which is chapters one through six um which is the first story arc then just last week i'm not sure exactly when this is going to air but on july 22nd we released canto and the clockwork fairies which is a single issue one shot which is Kanto and his Malarex sort of going on a new adventure with some new foes and new friends. And then coming August 26th is Kanto to the hollow men, which is the next story arc that flows sort of directly from this first story arc that's already out there. So there's a lot of story and it's going to be a big adventure and you're going to, you know, see Kanto do, uh, you know, go on these new journeys and, and, and help new people and help his people and just be the courageous clockwork night that you meet in these first few issues. I love it. I love it. Guys, you guys did a wonderful job. I don't know how else to, to, to say it and, and how much I can really tell you. I'm not blowing smoke. I really mean that. Um, I cannot wait for volume two. And is, is so is the second, the one that's coming out in August, is it going to be, in issue form, or is it going to be in like in a volume? It's going to be. Uh, it'll be. It'll be issue. Okay. Uh, and then get and then everything will be collected into volume two. Okay, perfect. So w- people can go down to their LCS and tell them that they want Canto and get it into their subscription boxes right away. Yeah, and the um, trade is in physical copy is available. If your shop doesn't have it, you can uh, ask them to order it. And it's I believe orderable. it's you, also orderable on Amazon, uh, Westfield comics, Midtown comics, any of the, uh, online comics retailers or bookshops. Yep. Go right to IDW publishing as well. Yes. And you can definitely order it there. We have, um, we have, we have, a, we have a lot of fun plans for a little clockwork night. So I hope everybody, uh, enjoyed us talking about it and, um, comes on board for his future adventures. I, so I love the books. I, I can't wait to get them. Um, I'm hoping that, uh, I can't wait to get physical copies, you know, because I got the digital, but I want the physical. Cause I like, I love holding comic books. I love the smell of them. I love, <laughs> I love all of that, you know? And then hopefully when the cons come back and you guys are around, I can get you guys to sign, sign my copies. For a nominal fee. We would love to. So I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'll have I'm you. Totally kidding. Yeah. Well, you know, I, can, I got my, I got my piggy bank. I can, I can break it open for you. <laughs> just smash it in front of me. <laughs> we're, we're also very lucky that IDW uh, 
if there's one thing that they do exceptionally well, it's put trades together. And uh, they really outdid themselves for us with this trade. Yeah, IDW is a wonderful publishing company. We've had um, a lot of people on from them. And man, it's it's a pleasure every time. It really is. And I don't know. We, we reach out to them. They always try to bend over backwards to help us. And we try to do the same because we just have a lot of fun. And uh, I like like going over Canto today was was awesome, you know, well, because we went through page I, by I page and you, got a really cool look of what you guys were thinking as you were doing it. And I can tell you um, just a little peek behind the curtain before we go. Uh, we, we brought this over to IDW and we were, we're just thrilled when – they said uh, that they were interested in publishing it. And kind of recently, uh, we heard, we heard so, some, it was interesting, we heard some uh, of the folks in editorial talking about how they loved Kanto and they weren't sure how it was going to perform in the market, if it would connect with readers, but they just yeah. really liked it. So they wanted to take a chance on it. And I mean, Drew and I are so thankful that they did. And not only because they took a chance on us, but also because uh, that, that the readers who have come on board and the success that we've had has sort of proven them right to take a chance on something that didn't necessarily look like anything else. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, I can, I, can, I can tell you from this side of things, from a year, over a year later, uh, it's been really, I think, uh, worth their while as well as um, just been just a thrill for us, a thrill ride for us it's awesome. this whole time. When's the Netflix show come out? Because this thing would be an amazing show on Netflix. I'm just saying. Uh, that, that's next week. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I want to see it. Netflix bought it along with everything else. <laughs> Whatever Disney didn't own, they got. Uh, well, they did such a good job on Lock and Key. And the fact that that was like a second iteration of that show, which I didn't even know. I think it was a third. Was it really a third? a third? Wow. I didn't even know. Yeah, that's- the book said quite the uh, the history to get to that point. Well, guys, when Canto um, and, and the Hollow Man number one come out, come back on so we can talk about it and uh, get people excited to get out there and get it right away. Absolutely. Cool. All right, guys. Well, Drew, David, thank you so much. Actually, let's do this right. Drew Zucker, David Boer, thank you so much for coming on and visiting Spoiler Country once again. People out there, get out there. Get yourself Canto. And, you know, if you only have a heart, use it to love Canto. <laughs> that's, that's amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you. I'll talk to you guys soon. All right, bye. Awesome. Thanks. Bye. And we're back. So, dude, I love I love our commentary tracks. I say it every time. I, these are this, these are one of <laughs> my favorite little sets. I want to yeah, I want to do more of them. Yeah, I I would love to do not exclusively these, but I love to do these like once a week because they're so much fun. Yeah, they are fun. They're a lot of work though because you have they are. well, there's a lot of coordination because you have to get the the um, the creative team together, and hopefully you can get the main force together, right. and then to go through, and then it takes a long time because like. We only did the first issue, which was like 25 pages. We didn't even do the whole book. Right. You know, because because it's a, we didn't do the whole graphic, no, the whole volume. Let's put it that way. Because it would have took forever. And just getting through those first 25 pages, uh, we sped up at times, as you guys can tell, just so that we, because there's always time constraints. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's, I mean, ideally if you could do, you know, just take your time and release, you know, however long it takes, how long it takes, but sometimes you have to, you know, you have to truncate, but there's so much fun. I love them. I said before, because you learn about the creative process. You learn about what the thoughts behind stuff were. It's like you do on a DVD commentary, but here you've got a little more room to breathe. And yeah, it's, I really hope that we can get, you know, one, when David and Drew come back on for volume two, it's going to be a lot of fun. And we can get more creators to, to agree to come on and talk about their books. Cause it's so much fun. Yeah. They're really good. They're, they're an amazing team. They work well together and you can tell that they are just fun to be around and they're yeah. constantly giving each other, I don't want to. They they just give each other a shizzle. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They just they just have fun with what they're doing. <laughs> exactly.
Exactly. All right, man. I think that's a show for that today. That is a show. I want to thank IDW for making those guys available to us so that we can yeah. have oh, things yeah. like that happening for you guys. And keep an eye, keep an ear out and an eye out because more to come. Yep, we have some more exciting news to, to drop soon. Uh, Lots we'll of just new stuff. Lay a teaser out there. There's going to be uh, some really cool stuff coming out soon, but you're going to have to wait to hear what that is. You know what is really cool, man? So this dropped. What's that? We actually did the intro outro today for this yeah. interview or for this commentary yeah. track, and yesterday we dropped a very special episode with Chad Stahelski. Stahelski. Oh yeah. Jeez, man, Stahelski, <laughs> the director of John Wick One, Two, and Three. That's how yeah. this podcast is going. To see more good. and more people awesome. of all different types of genre in the creative realm coming on, talk about what they're passionate about, what's going on in their world. And man, it just keeps going. And if you want to hear more people just like that, head over to spoilerverse.com and check out our back issues. You won't be disappointed. No, you won't. And check out our show. Check out all the other shows we have up there, like Bridging the Gate Dams, Funny Book Forensics, so much cool stuff up there. And while you're there, check out all of our articles and reviews and previews from all of our great writers. There's so much content for you to do. And then last thing you do when you're there is in the middle of that, that bar across the top, there's a little button that says store. Click on that. Go to our store. Pick up a T-shirt or a hoodie or a face mask or something, you know, because uh, as I like to say, you fly as hell. Shirt around. Oh, you stole it from me. But yeah, you fly as hell. And uh, you help, you know, support the show here and get a, you know, a dollar or two in our pocket to help, help keep the lights on. There you guys go. I think, Johnny, that's it. I think we're ready to get, get out of here. And before we go, in oceans of podcasts, we are Cthulhu. And as Cthulhu compels you to do, open the mind and read more. More. <laughs> more. <laughs>